guys, welcome back. Today's episode, we're going to talk about CCM, gospel, and Christian rap. Basically, we're just going to be taking you through our high school youth group playlist. So, to start us off, we're going to be bringing back the lightning round from the travel episode. Um, so, Faith, you're going to go first. So, favorite old school jam? Um, out of Eden. What is that song? Um, the... Come on, what is the word to that song? But that's it. I love that song. Yes, okay, it's Love, Peace, and Happiness by Out of Eden. Okay. Okay, that is a good one. Classic. Okay. Um, DC Talk or Newsboys? DC Talk. 116 or Cross Movement? 116. Jackie Velasquez or Stacey Orico? This is really tough for me because I loved them both, but I'm just going to have to say Jackie Velasquez. Fred Hammond or Kirk Franklin? Kirk Franklin. CeCe Winans, Yolanda Adams? CeCe Winans. A song you feel is or was overplayed? I can only imagine. Oh, that was going to be mine too! <laughs> <laughs> Too much. Guys, I think I let it, to that song for like 10 years. Let it, it lie. Like, <laughs> let it lie. We love you, Mercy it's, Me, it's, but let it lie. <laughs> it's still playing to this day. Okay, your turn. Catherine, favorite old school jam? Um, I'm going to say, oof. I'm going to go with Kirk Franklin, Brighter Day, even though that's not that old school. I also would maybe try to pick something by Trinity 5-7, but I'm, I'm going to go Kirk Franklin, Brighter Day. Okay. DC Talk or Newsboys? DC Talk, for sure. 116 Click or Cross Movement? I'm going to say Cross Movement. <laughs> Only because they are first, and you never forget you're first. <laughs> okay, okay. Jackie Velasquez or Stacey Rico? Oh, for sure, Jackie Velasquez. It's not even close for me. <laughs> okay. Fred Hammond or Kurt Franklin? I, this is so hard. Um, I'm going to just... It is a tough one. I'm just, I'm going to say... Kirk Franklin by like the shortest of hairs. Okay. CC Winans or Yolanda Adams? I'm going to go CC Winans. CC Winans was actually the first concert I ever went to in my life. And I just thought I was so grown because I got to see CC Winans <laughs> when I was like 12. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, okay. Song You Feel was overplayed. I mean, so my go to was going to be I Can Only Imagine as well. Um, so I don't I don't have a backup. I mean I really feel like that is a I have a backup. What's your backup? Um that song Dive. Come on, let's go. I'm diving in. I'm oh yeah. In is that, that was overplayed. Was that a newsboy song? I that was um Stephen Curtis Chapman. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Oh. Everybody used that as a uh, human video, whatever song, and I just yeah. never felt like I was going to get out of hearing that song. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. I, yeah, it's a good over, overplayed one. Um, okay, so yeah. how would you say CCM and gospel music are different and or similar or the same? So, yeah, so CCM stands for Contemporary Christian Music, and it's basically like Christian pop music, kind of. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. We just Christians need their own music that is not worship music, but is kind of pop. And so then CCM was born. That's how I feel like it kind of happened. And then um, gospel music is def is more so like rhythmic spiritual music. Um, 
it's rooted in whether it's solo or responsive church choir singing um and and really that comes from like a lot of the rural blacks from the american south um and it's really central to the development of rhythm and blues and soul music a lot of it derives from gospel music and so there's just a deep richness there and i feel like there's been a lot of change in some ways to like the ccm genre and how people are interacting with with um, ccm music but gospel music has i feel like been so tried and true throughout generations yeah i agree with that well obviously i think in terms of a similarity obviously the subject matter is often the same they're talking about christian faith faith in god um but i think black gospel music or just gospel music generally is black gospel music is so rooted in what it means to be black and christian in the united states um and it's, yeah, it's so, and I think that's why maybe, like, the experience of it is a little bit different. Um, and I would say even just, like, it's so interesting to me, even given that the subject matter is the same, um, that they have always been separate and in a little ways, like, racialized. I can think of a few um, CCM artists that are people of color. Obviously, we talked about Jackie Velasquez. I think, like, Mandisa. Um and I think of Anthony Evans. I think this is changing a little bit, but I just remember growing up that like there was a Christian station in Dallas, I think KLTY or something, um, but you almost never heard black singers or black voices on it when I was growing up. And then there was like the gospel station that we like, and then, okay, I don't know if you had this in Houston and <laughs> where you grew up, like the regular like black urban music radio station on Sunday mornings would play contemporary black music for everybody Sunday morning on the way to church. So yeah. like we could listen to, yeah. we could listen to like in my house, like we were not allowed to listen to secular music growing up, but we could listen to, um, K104 Sunday mornings for like three hours because it was like this is the time you're going to church and that's when we heard like like listening to Kirk Franklin and um, the like on the radio other times like we just had to listen to like CDs because it was before mp3s and streaming and stuff so I just thought that was interesting I mean even like Nicole Mullen who I like loved um, growing up had more of a CCM sound and so like it was it's just interesting to think about like that liminal space for maybe um, artists of color who maybe don't sing traditional gospel music and then where was their music being played and like just probably the unique challenges of navigating that um but yeah I mean I just think it's it's interesting because even like Kirk Franklin like earlier this year basically announced that he was boycotting the Devil Awards which the Devil Awards are the sort of Grammys for CCM music um because um, his speech had been edited out of the broadcast and he talked about in his speech police brutality and racism. And this is like, I guess he was saying this is the second time this has happened. Um, and so I think to me, like one of the big differences, I think is the ex difference of the experience it's arisen out of and then sort of the expectation. Like it just feels like for the most part, historically, like CCM is like very safe and that it doesn't really engage too much with like social issues. Um, and for whatever reason, like race and racism is always like, it is a social issue, but some for whatever reason, it's like controversial, which, and for like black people or black Christians are just, this is what it is to be black and a Christian. And it's not controversial at all to talk about those things. Um, yeah. it, one of the big, I think one of the differences is, as I've experienced it is just like the, how relatable it is as a black Christian woman to actually my life, as much as I love CCM, um, some of it, it does sometimes feel a little distant 
to my actual life. Yeah, that's real. I mean, I mean, really anyone in the CCM gospel genre, because the Dove Awards do kind of give some awards out to gospel artists as well. But I think there's always been like a distinct line kind of drawn into the sand. And I think with Kurt Franklin in that situation, it's basically, I'm not going to choose to have to be silenced. And I shouldn't be, right? Silence for these issues. And this should be something if we are saying that we're the body of Christ, this is something that everybody should care about. And so I think that's why he kind of had to say what he had to say to them and choose to boycott because his voice and that subject matter was being erased, which I don't think is fair. Yeah. So um, I think that I'm actually proud of him for standing up and, and saying something about that particular situation. And I just want to say also too, like we talked about the Devil Awards, but there's also the Stellar Awards, which are for like gospel music and gospel artists. So even just in like, I think probably there's a separation because you know, historically, black artists were not receiving the recognition from, like, the broader mainstream CCM community. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, another award ceremony for gospel and probably Christian hip-hop um, as well. Yeah. Even as they are now more and more being recognized by, like, Dove Awards and, like, more mainstream CCM. And so, Catherine, why would you say that it's important to engage in different genres of music? Um, yeah, I think for, like, learning and, like, just opening yourself up, I think we talk about this all the time in, in different ways about learning and opening yourself up to different and new experiences. And I think also, too, just, like, understanding maybe more about the fullness of who God is. Um, I heard this pastor came to, like, lecture in one of my classes, um, and he was talking about how when he was in seminary, it was often communicated that like the reason why they're not more um, books by people of color is like we weren't writing books about theology or whatever and he basically was like well that may be true but you can trace the theology of the black church through our music um, and I think that that is so true like even going back to like Negro spirituals and like um, just some of the songs that we associate with that era that were talking about freedom and God as a liberator and um, even though they couldn't write they had these really simple songs that they could say and sing together um, communicating truth about who God is. And so I think when you don't engage different genres of music, I do think you, um, particularly we're talking about Christian music, you are missing, I think, some fullness of who God is. Um, and it was really interesting. I went to a conference a couple of weeks ago for African-American like leadership or whatever. And a bunch of the preachers, that uh, African-American preachers, which this is not uncommon, um, did their benedictions, but they sang songs. And um, the one last pastor, his whole sermon was about not being fearful and not being anxious. And so for his benediction, he sang this song, um, called I Know Who Holds Tomorrow. And it's um, so a pretty famous song by, um, I want to say her name is Albertine Walker. And the path that be my portion may be through the flame of love. I'm covered, I'm covered with his blood. But the basics of the song is basically like she's singing that like, I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to be worried. I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds tomorrow. Um, which I thought it was like so appropriate for the sermon that he gave. And like just a reminder that like, yeah, there's a deep, rich theological tradition in black Christianity. And maybe it's not written out um, 
in textbooks or whatever, but it is there and it does exist. And oftentimes you can find it in our music. So I think it's important for that reason. I don't know why you, why do you think maybe it's important? I just think that it's important to explore music that's just outside of, of what you know. Um, it doesn't mean you have to like, like it all, but I think for me in particular, like when it comes to gospel music, there's just like a really deep, rich history behind it. And so it, it holds a lot of meaning. I feel like for me and also, um, I think many other people of color, but then I know that there's also some black people that really don't listen to gospel music or maybe don't really engage with it as much. And so I just think that it's important to understand the history behind it and why it's important to be able to truly appreciate it. And so I would encourage, you know, more people to listen to gospel music and also kind of like what you were saying, Catherine, I know that there's a lot of different leaders who use gospel songs in their, you know, in their benedictions and use that as like a, you know, a call to people to, you know, to rally, to join together. Um, And there's just some powerful words that were just that were sung and that have meant a lot and that have held black people up during times of turmoil and distress and so um I agree with everything you said too so that's what I would say yeah and I think it's interesting to like look back and like I was just enduring research for this episode how much a part singing was a part of like the civil rights movement um this little light of mine we shall overcome and just we who believe in freedom you know and just yeah that there's something to be gained um yeah like what you were saying it's really powerful and it, it does speak sometimes, I think, on a really deep level that's important to engage. And I will say it's it's interesting, you know, as black female Christians who have lots of experience in predominantly white spaces, we often know, like, we know who Stacey Orico is. Like, we remember the quasi-scandal when she went on MTV. What was there? What was the uh, video of the day show? Like, how she when she started to cross over, how it was, like, a quasi- <laughs> Yeah, was it her song that was stuck? I'm stuck on you. Was yes, kind of the song that came out. And let me tell you, if that song came on right now, I could tell you every single word to it. Okay, I just I knew that song. That was my jam because I kind of was like, oh my gosh, like she's singing about love, like. And I'm kind of listening to like, is this secular? Is it kind of secular? Like, and I, because I was not allowed to listen to secular music growing up. Like, yeah, oh, it was a whole thing. Yeah, Total Request Live. I remember when she did that. It was just like this, like, you know, and so it's this idea that, like, oftentimes, and it's these important cultural markers, right? Like, what is communicated is that CCM and, like, these artists are important, but, like, knowing these artists isn't. And so I think even to us, you know, as people who are like frequently navigating this space. Yeah. Like, you know, I love Lauren Daigle, but I would love to see people engage like Corinne Hawthorne the way that they engage Lauren Daigle. And so I always think it's like interesting just from our perspective, how we like know, again, all that music, you know, um, I'm not a big Christian rock person, but (laughs) I know who Cutlass is. Can tell you anything that they sang, but just that also too, like what you're communicating um, to the people of color in your life when, you know, you expect them to know all of your references, but you don't know any of theirs. Um, so faith. <laughs> <laughs> so faith, 
I'm going to ask you because you grew up in a multi-ethnic church and oftentimes we hear and we've heard conversations about how music on Sundays really doesn't reflect multi-ethnic or multicultural. So um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your experience growing up in a multi-ethnic church. Were different styles of worship incorporated? So I would say yes and no. When I, from like ages 6 to 12, I went to a predominantly black church and then after that I went to a multi-ethnic church. And in that church is kind of where like I feel like a unique sound at the time was created where it was like a blending of CCM and gospel. Um, Israel Houghton led worship um, a lot in that season. And he was kind of just like starting to kind of kick off his career a little bit more like well-known. So that's when you kind of had songs like I Know Who I Am come out, I Am Not Forgotten. And it was this um, blend of the two sounds that I really felt like was needed and kind of brought together the black and white church in a way that um, kind of was hadn't necessarily been done yet. So he was kind of like pioneering that. And I think that there was a real, um, yeah, something special and important to it. So I would say that that was something that I experienced and I really appreciated. And then in college, I went to a church that was predominantly black. But what they would do is they would take some CCM songs and then kind of like flip it. And so same words and everything. But musically, it was like a gospel sound. Yeah, I've had that. As someone who's grown up in predominantly black churches, we often sing like maybe CCM songs, um, but the music is different. The syncopation, like so we sing um, Here I Am to Worship like much faster, <laughs> like with a much than, you know, it's not like. And I think also, too, it's interesting. I would be interested if you are a musician, would love to hear from you on this episode, because I also think like um, gospel is like more piano and um drum driven and I just feel like CCM is more like guitar acoustic guitar solo guitar kind of thing so like oftentimes like we would sing like here I am to worship but we'd sing it faster because we have a bass but we don't really have we are we don't really do the guitar thing um at just my church experience I won't say that for every black church um and so the songs sound different even if the words are the same and it's interesting so I love 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 Israel Houghton and we um a few years ago like I got to like randomly I don't even know why I go because I don't really sing I'm a blender but <laughs> the worship pastor at our church um would go to um like a worship com uh, conference that Israel held and so he asked me to go one year with them because he knew how much I love Israel Houghton and it was interesting to hear him talk about how like I mean he does blend CCM and gospel music but he would even talk about like there were certain songs that he when he would play at a black church he would play more often or would be more requested versus if he was at a white church which I thought was interesting because I think of his music as such a blend between the two but he basically was just saying like you know, like this is a little bit faster pace and, you know, the clapping and rhythm is really, mm -hmm. <laughs> is really important. And so, you know, it doesn't translate as well when I'm invited to like, you know, lead worship in a predominantly white church, but I thought it was funny and like definitely, um, I'm a huge Israel Houghton fan. So if you don't know his music, you should definitely look them up. So let's just really quickly here talk about Christian rap and a little bit about its evolution. Yeah, I think Christian rap is like so interesting because I think it's, I, I you know, I my experience was it was like, again, like not being able to listen to secular music. So a lot of popular rap songs when I was growing up, I didn't know. Um, but we had like Christian rap so we could like listen to it. And it was funny because it, I mean, I didn't really have as much to compare it to when I was like growing up because I couldn't listen to secular rap. But you know, going back to listen to some like older like grits and like 116 and cross movement, um, 
you know, it just, some of the guys, like, particularly Cross Movement, and I, like, was a huge ambassador fan, um, were really, really, really talented, but, like, the production wasn't the same. Um, and Grits, what was that song, Grits yeah. Had My Life Be yeah. Like? Do you remember that song? I love song? that song. That, okay, that might be... That might be my overplayed song because I feel oh, like every. My life be like because as much as I love that song, I feel like it was like just everywhere. And so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like as someone who loves Christian hip hop and like where it is today, I definitely feel like it now is coming to a place where it's less about. Like a straight up like like I feel like quality and talent like maybe matters in a way that maybe it didn't even a few years ago. Um, it just where it felt more derivative, like where beats and stuff and flows were like borrowed from more popular like secular rappers. Um, but I will say it was interesting and in, like thinking about this episode and just thinking about like Christian rap as I've grown up that it's weird that like I there are not a lot of female in, in no. like rappers. I mean, you're starting to see that change a little bit, and it, but it seems really slow, like very slow behind sort of the secular rap promotion of female MCs. Like I can think of like off the top of my head, like right now, I could probably name like four or five um, secular rap in black female rappers that are having huge moments in our culture right now. Um, and I do think it's changing a little bit. I mean, I think Reach Records signed within the last year or two a female rapper her name is Wanda, day who's great and you should definitely go support um and then i think of like jackie hill perry and um i think latorio who has you know done a bunch of conferences i've attended but i would like to talk about that as like an evolution of something like in the next phase of christian rap that women are severely underrepresented and i and i feel like that's really a travesty yeah and i just feel like it, there just really hasn't been like space I feel like for like Christian women who are rapping to kind of have that what's the word I'm looking for just like left me um I I guess I would just say to be included right and so I think that there's some differences there I would say for myself um I'm just gonna list off a few of the rappers I listened to growing up um DC Talk Gospel Gangsters Gospel Gangsters had a few albums and you just could not tell me and my brother yes. anything about them we loved them. We, I love the gospel gangsters. <laughs> um, yeah. Grits, T-Bone. Um, also, of course, most people know Lecrae, but I followed him since the very beginning of his career. And, like, he definitely has evolved in who he is as a rapper and as a human being. And a lot of white people were, like, his original fan base. So if you didn't know that, well, now you know. I This funny story about Lecrae is, like, I remember in college, I worked at a Christian camp and they had him come perform for the kids. And I cannot think of the song for the life of me, but I found the CD the other day and guys, we love Lecrae. He is coming yes. a long way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like the like thank God for growth and just how like we don't stay the same. Like I, I honestly I felt like finding that CD just like was finding like a time like finding like a time capsule for me and just because like I'm in my late 30s, and when I bought that CD, I was probably, like, 18 or 19, and so, um, but yeah, it is, it's, it's been interesting to, like, watch his evolution, um, you know, and see him, you know, go from playing, like, youth camps and, like, youth groups to, you know, going to the Grammys and, like, the BET Awards and, and like, seeing him, like, yeah, it feels you know, and honestly, I just feel like a sense of pride because it's like, and you feel cool because it's like, I knew you win before all that. But then also, too, like, 
yes, he's succeeding and he's so talented. And so, yeah, that's really cool. I, I also love yeah. gospel gangsters in DC talk. Oh my gosh. Jesus freak. I probably like just my, wore my mom out with that album. <laughs> Yeah, when we were young, we went to, like, a DC Talk concert. It was just a whole thing. Um, Okay, so lastly, what I want to say about um, Christian rap is I want to talk about Toby Nwigwe. He is from Houston. What's what? H-Town Down. Loving people. Um, And he just started this thing called Get Twisted Sundays whenever his girlfriend would be twisting his hair, and it's turned into this whole thing, this movement, his career. That is with his wife and his friend, who's kind of like his sister, Linnell Grant, and she is um, his producer, and she's just phenomenal and super, like, crazy talented as well. So anyways, he is, he his line is to make purpose popular, and so he's a believer, but he's not really a Christian rapper per se. He just, he, he raps about his life, about family, about the Black experience, and it's just so beautiful because he's built this career in this family quote-unquote family business if you will and it's really had a broad impact and it hasn't just been for Christians it's been people who aren't Christians as well and he's gotten a lot of recognition um across the board I think even a nod from Michelle Obama which is like what I would like probably feel like passing out if that happened so anyways um that's just amazing and so I that's all I have to really say about Christian rap so if you haven't heard of Toby Nwigwe go check him out he's doing a really incredible stuff so speaking of like recommendations and who you would say like people needed to be looking for checking for who are some artists that you would recommend to those who are unfamiliar with gospel um or just like new people like so that we should be people, keeping so an eye out for some. um <laughs> well, <that's... laughs> so people it's fine. that i really it's fine. like and enjoy cc winans tasha cobbs fred hammond william mcdowell donnie mcclerkin tamala man yes take me to the king tamala um yeah, I love Tamala Man from her Kirk Franklin and the Family Days, and just to see her flourish on her own, she's so talented. I love her. Um, I would say for me, like Andre Crouch, which he's not new either. Um, but I think if you really want to see, because I think Andre Crouch is sort of the forerunner of Kirk Franklin, and to see where gospel music is now, because I think gospel music, and there's, I you know, there we have sort of internal debates even in our church about like popular, <laughs> popular music versus like more traditional, you know, um, black gospel music. But I think Andre Couch probably like the forefather of where you really saw that start to change a little bit, um, in terms of like maybe blending more seamlessly a more popular like gospel R and B soul within gospel music. And so I definitely would recommend some Andre Couch obviously Kirk Franklin the goat um I have actually funny fun fact as much as I love Beyonce I've actually seen Kirk Franklin in concert more um than I've seen Beyonce um so you know I, he, I, that's saying something it's it for me that is saying a lot and when I tell you Kirk Franklin oh my gosh if you ever have the opportunity to see him in concert please do because you really cannot grasp the fullness of this man's genius without seeing him in concert where he the way he blends music, it's just his ear, whatever. Go see Kirk Franklin in concert. Um, Marvin Sapp, let me just tell you about Marvin Sapp. If you are going through a hard time and feeling depressed, <laughs> get you some Marvin Sapp. Because when I tell you this man got me through law school and law exams, never would have made it. Without, never would have made it. Never could have made it. <laughs> without Marvin Sapp. Um, I love the Clark sisters. Second generation, Kiara Clark Sheard. I would check out Jonathan, Jonathan McReynolds. Yeah. It's kind of like newer. 
Um, I love, and I love what he's doing. Um, Ty Tribbett, Hezekiah Walker, Jay Moss, Mary Mary, and then my, like, two, like, my go-to, like, new person is Corinne Hawthorne, who was on, I think, season eight of The Voice, um, but is an incredibly talented singer. I love her. Um, and if you're looking for someone who's, like, she's young, I think she's in maybe, like, 20, 21, um, but if you're looking for someone that you can listen to with your kids, because she does have a more, like, R&B kind of poppy gospel music sound, she would be great for that. Um, and then my last plug would be go see the aretha franklin amazing grace documentary or rent it on netflix or wherever you can find it aretha franklin's best-selling album of all time was amazing grace um but they live recorded her recording the album and um she grew up for those of you who didn't know her dad was a really very famous black pastor like um people knew him more than they knew her because um he was like one of the first black preachers that was like on a record and you could like buy his sermons um but so she grew up in the church singing in the church, which, you know, Faith talked about how instrumental gospel music was to forming R&B. Um, but I think the Amazing Grace documentary really gives you a good you can kind of see that in Aretha and her voice and the performance, um, how she was able to blend the two. Um, you get a little bit of like she has some like pretty famous gospel music like icons of that era mm. come to this concert. Um, also a young Mick Jagger. Because <laughs> it was like a free Aretha Franklin concert and he just somehow like wandered in and started in the back of the church and somehow walked his way to the front row. Um, but yeah, I would, yeah, I would say if you haven't seen that, it's great and it's a, it'll, I feel like it's a good way to just kind of familiarize yourself with kind of the history of gospel music. So that's, those would be my recommendations for people who don't know. Yeah, and also I think there's just something to be said and to appreciate about gospel music for the richness of it, the heritage, what it represents, and how it's really shaped the music industry as a whole. So, um, so much has come from gospel music, so many genres, and so um, just like we were talking about with R&B and the rest, and so... Let us know what y'all are listening to. We gave you lots of options. And so let us know what you've listened to so far. Yeah. And I just want to say one more thing. Like, let us know what you're listening to. Maybe we'll do like a playlist or something in Spotify f- for you guys. Um, but I also want to say like gospel music I, is so tied to um, the black experience. And so it's not just like the musical genre, like it really is about, um, sort of the black Christian experience. And I think those two things cannot be divorced from each other. Um, cause I think there's a lot of like mimicking of the music, um, but not necessarily a respect for the experience that it comes out of. And so, um, I would say it's don't try to separate the two but yeah maybe we'll do a playlist that sounds fun like we've gone through a lot of things here you know we need to bring back out of eden and trinity five seven so we'll just oh, maybe <laughs> maybe we'll make you guys a spotify playlist uh, to go with the episode we'll resurrect some things okay so yes. y'all it is time it is time for go off sis okay so this is where we tell you about something that's great something that's Something that we love, essentially, and something that's a mess. So there's always something because, well, we live in an interesting world. And so there's always something for us to tell you that we love and something that's a mess. Um, Catherine, do you want to go first? 
Yeah. So my bless is telling your friends you're proud of them um, and speaking encouragement out loud. Um, I had a conversation with a friend a couple of weeks ago that just is trying to discern, you know, like what her next steps were. Yeah, she was really struggling. And we were able to have like an out. I mean, we probably talked to like one o'clock in the morning or something. We're just hanging out. And I felt like it was so powerful for her, but also for me, like because I think you think of like blessing other people and that is a huge part of it. Um, But I just felt like the conversation was really powerful because it just reminded me that sometimes we don't see ourselves clearly and the importance of having people in our lives that like love us and can see clearly for us. Um, and can say out loud, like, I see this clearly in you um, when we don't is so amazing. So, yeah, tell your friends you're proud of them. Um, and then my mess is <laughs> this is so small and petty road construction. I'm just going to say when why does it take when we're updating highways? Why? Is it like a 15-year process? There's a section of I-35 that has probably been under construction my entire life. Um, It seems to be never-ending. And also, too, for now, they've decided to add to it by literally tearing up all the roads in Waco in this one particular section of I-35. And, guys, Waco is not a big town. But when it takes 30 minutes to get from one side of the town to the other um, because the entire roads are under construction and it seems like it's going to be that way for the next 15 years, that's problematic. I just feel like city planning is really important and we don't talk about it enough. But I am team better city planning, road planning construction engineering i don't know but it's annoying i just think that's like texas in general <laughs> texas is never a road that's not under construction so but like you just like learn to live with it it's constantly something's happening we need to expect better i just oh it's the worst and that's really petty but i'm just over traffic it's a mess faith what's yours okay what i'm loving right now the new um janae Aiko album slaps it's so good I mean, first of all, I just, I love her voice and, um, she's so chill, like in how like the music presents itself. So I really like that. Um, and so, yeah, I listened to her album the whole way, the whole flight home and I was just so chill and I was like, this is a good album to listen to while I'm flying. The other thing I would say that is a mess is just the internet, man. I mean, Twitter fingers, it's just been so much. And I find myself that when the world feels like it's just going through something I'm on Twitter less and I think it's just because maybe I just don't want all the all of that into my personal space but it's just I feel like I have this appreciation for the internet and what it's done and how it's brought us together but also I feel like it's it's made people a little bit reckless in what they say and how they say it and so therefore I I'm feeling a way about the internet as of late and will probably be doing my best to you know, I'll be on it, but just not to like read comments of stuff. You know, you got to protect your soul from the comments. Yeah, I was going to say even it just seems like also too for the next, especially till this presidential election. I just it might be better for all of us to be on it less because people are just being reckless and it is annoying. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's about all I have. I'm keeping it really simple on my go off just this week because, you know, there's a lot that I could say, but sometimes you just got to keep your thoughts limited. And so this is a limited thought go off sis. 
this week, but I'll be back next week with some more thoughts that are probably a little bit more at length. But this week, I'm going to keep it short and I'm going to keep it sweet. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. And remember, everybody, to like and subscribe, share this podcast with your friends, and leave us a review if you enjoy it on Apple Podcasts because your support means a whole lot to us. Have a good week. Bye.